Welcome and thank you for listening to the Pemi Valley Podcast. This is episode 9 of season 2, released on the first Wednesday of July 2021. I am your host, John Saunders. It's been just over two months since the last podcast. Glad to be back, and we have many interesting guests coming on for the summer. This podcast, I'll be talking with Nick Mason and Andrew Fournier, who are part of a group putting together New England's first whitewater park. It's called Mill City Park at Franklin Falls and is located on the Winnipesaukee River in Franklin, New Hampshire. They're going to tell us how the idea came about, the process of creating the park, what to expect in the near future, and how the park is creating a new vibe in the community. And Mill City Park isn't going to be just a whitewater park. There will be a community garden, climbing wall, multi-use trail, mountain bike pump track and skills course, and an amphitheater. Needless to say, there's a lot Nick and Andrew would like to share with you. Nick and Andrew, right after this. Pemi Valley Podcast is supported by Boncliffe Bug Protection, the all-natural bug repellent produced in the White Mountains for all who work and play in the outdoors. Boncliffe Bug Protection is available at Lahoots and Rogers Ski and Sport in Lincoln, New Hampshire, or purchase right from our Facebook page. And for our first guests of the Pemi Valley Podcast Summer Edition, we have Andrew Fournier and Nick Mason, also known as Skip Church. They are two men who are part of a wider group that have opened up a whitewater park on the Winnipesaukee River. It's called the Mill City Park at Franklin Falls, and they're joining us to talk about the conception, how they created it, and all the other things that are involved at the Mill City Park at Franklin Falls. Nick, Andrew, welcome to the Pemi Valley Podcast, and thank you for taking some time to talk with all the listeners about what you are doing. Thank you for having us. Yeah, You're very welcome. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yes, yeah, so like, like, you know what? Will's going to start literally at the beginning. When was the whole idea formed for making a whitewater park in central New Hampshire? I guess I'll start. Um, I, I think there was, there's always been an idea that the Winnipesaukee River was sort of underutilized. Um, and that idea predates Andrew and I paddling here. It predates Mill City Park. Um, I think people who have paddled the Winnipesaukee for the last you know, 30 or 40 years have always sort of thought that it was somewhere um, that has an industrial past and uh, sort of a vision for the, you know, there was a nexus of a vision for the future um, that, uh, that the riverbed could be cleaned up and could be changed into something uh, that would be more appealing to a broader range of whitewater paddlers, I would say. Um, you know, the and actual, I, go ahead. I was going to say, and most, most New Hampshire whitewater runs are runoff dependent. So our whitewater really season is, is the spring. And the Winnipesaukee, aside from one or two other rivers really in this state, has, has a huge watershed. And I mean, it, it's fed by, fed by the, the big lake and, and all that. So there's there's an abundance of water. There's an abundance of a of a resource. It's it's easily accessed, 
it's it's a relatively short run, but it offers a really good pack, you know, a really good punch for for what what you're doing. Instead of having a longer run where it's kind of drops and things in between, you can get a lot done. You can do the the shuttle with the vehicle, or it's got the bike path next to it, and it's always kind of really drawn people for that that reason. It's always held water later into the season. It's held more water than a lot of the other rivers and it's and and as nick said for for the past 30 years or so there's always been been a draw to that river so there's always been an audience of of users of that recognize you know that that really nice resource and when you're on the river you really don't see or hear much of franklin or, or anything that's that's around it it's really unique in that you've got a pretty busy road with route three and 11 right there and when you're on the river you're it feels like you're in a rural setting it's it's really unique it's 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 great and like um as you say like many people have been looking at that for about 30 years and of course better paddlers are probably you know doing that and i've seen in case anybody's wondering yes in winnipesaukee you've probably seen some videos of uh the Annual January 1st run. So, yeah, some of the uh, – it's wild. I've never done that. I've never done that. I know my wife wants to try that. I'm not too sure if I want to. It looks – it does look like a blast. And so, what – like, you know, as it is, a former mill town, you had the mills that were built, you know, right there on the river. I'm sure there were some hazards. And, uh, like, how long did that take to basically say, like, we're going to try to make this into a water park, but we obviously have to address these possible hazards. And uh, how long did that take to uh, basically clean those up so this could pave the way that now we're going to have this water park. Well, the, the cleanup is still ongoing. Um, and obviously our whitewater park has not, op- it's not open yet. The actual <laughs> in-river engineering and the in-river construction is uh, set to start on July 12th of this year. Um, oh. So Mill City Park, I know it's a little confusing. Mill City Park is the name of the nonprofit that Andrew and I are, uh, you know, board members of. Um, it also is the name of the um, piece of land that we have acquired and that we own sort of in conjunction with the city of Franklin. So um, it it's extends beyond just sort of uh, the Whitewater Park, but there is actually sort of a, a land-based parcel uh, that includes a bunch of old international paper land uh, from when they were uh, active in Franklin, as well as uh, some of the other mills that were along the river. And it is true. I mean, there are pieces of rebar uh, still sticking out of some of the rocks in the river. Um, you know, there's a rapid that was named Snowmobile because for a long time uh, there was an old snowmobile that somebody obviously ran into the river or was going up across an ice flow. It wound <laughs> up in the river. Um, there's a lot of debris, a lot of detritus. And, uh, you know, part of our, um, our nonprofit's mission is cleaning up not just the river, uh, but the, the land-based portion of the park. But as of now, a lot of that work, there still will be some cleanup going on um, during this construction phase that's gonna happen during our low water period over the summer. We, we sort of have been, I mean, we were in a drought last summer and fall. We had, as you probably know, it was not an incredible snowpack year in, uh, in New Hampshire. Um, and we have basically almost gone right back into drought. It was not a very high water spring on the Winnipesaukee. Um, but all along our plan has been to have, uh, the engineers 
come in uh, during the low water months of the summer. And we actually have hope to have uh, one sort of whitewater feature, um, you know, usable by this fall, hopefully by September, barring any construction delays and whatnot, which are probably inevitable. Um, but we're hoping that by this fall, uh, it will it will sort of be a dest a whitewater destination more so than it already is. Excellent. Uh -huh. now, and I was just going to say when you mentioned the uh, the whitewater features that are going to be opened up by this fall, um, how many features are there going to be, and actually, what are the classes that uh, that there will be? You want to take that, Andrew? So, so initially, there's going to be we're going to start with the first feature, which is going to be down in what we're calling trust you know it's down in Trestleview park that's right at the bridge right down in the heart of franklin kind of near the um the takeout that that we use where we get out of the river um as moving from that feature we're going to go up upstream there's plans for a surfing wave um surfing in that not only just kayak surfing that you might have seen on a river but also think actual surfboards. It would be a standing wave, similar to what you would see in the ocean, would be, would be usable by, by that kind of style surfer. And there's examples of that um, out in Colorado. Glenwood Springs is, is one that, that you'll see some surfers like that. And I know um, there's a couple other ones out west. Um, I think there's a popular one in Germany as well where people will actually bring these surfboards and they will use a river feature. It's a continuous hydraulic. You don't have to paddle back out in the breakers. Um, so those, those are kind of the, the two main features that, that we're going with. And then from there, you know, there's, there's plans for, for additional development. Um, they're designed to be used more or less at all flows. Uh, the dominant flow of the river after the spring runoff is it, it goes down, you know, below 500 CFS, cubic feet per second, um, is, is how rivers are, are kind of measured in their, their flow rate. So the, it's designed for those kind of lower flows that you would see in the summer. So that way it's not, it's, it's usable year round. Um, when it, you know, when it's higher, it's just bigger. Uh, as far as like a difficulty, a, a class, um, I guess I would describe it more as like a class three kind of a feature. Um, you really need to know what you're doing when you, when you get into it, whether you have some instruction or, you know, you have your friends with you for some support. It's, it's, it's safe, but it's safe with, with proper precaution, proper equipment, proper training that sort of stuff it's not overly dangerous it's not a hydraulic it's not like a low head dam it's mm -hmm. it's something that that with the proper equipment it's 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 a lot of fun um you have that surfing wave and then that lower feature would be more like for for like tricks and stuff like that so you could do like flat spins and cartwheels and some people that are significantly better paddlers than i am do loops and all kinds of of neat things um so that's that's kind of how i would grade it but as far as if you're just running the river you can you can go right through the features too it would just be like an extra big splashy wave kind of thing but you know for those that know how to use these features they would be a destination people would would travel just for the purpose of this they call it park and play Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a similar spot that we have up on the, up on the Pemi in Bristol, 
that's that's a park and play and people will drive there in the summer months they might go with boogie board or or you know with their kayaks and all that stuff and it's 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 a destination and the nice thing with franklin being there is it becomes a destination and the nice thing with the park is you can go there and do the kayak thing and the river thing but if your family comes with you and they're like ah, we're not gonna go in the river we're gonna we got 13 acres to go explore and and play on that's you know just you know it, it's literally across the street you know walking trails and and spots that they can go in and watch you do these things in in the river which is going to be really neat whereas in a lot of times when you go to these destinations they're they're remote there's nothing around your family's going to be like all right yeah i'll sit on the rock and watch you play in the river but now they can be like all right i'll come watch you play in the river but i want to i want to take the dog for the walk i want to take the kid over to the climbing wall i want to i want to go do something else that's not watching you play in the river right there's there's options and you know when you just mentioned that the i guess we'll call it the surfing hydraulic i think that's fantastic i've seen a couple of videos of that but to have that right there in franklin you're right. This being a destination feature that people will be coming from all over for. Absolutely right. And, and when you mentioned that, um, you know, there's 13 acres around the park and I'm just looking at what's going to be available, what's going to, you know, so yes, if you have your friends or family that come along who aren't going to be in the river, the plans are, you know, a community garden. There's going to be viewing spots. There's also going to be an amphitheater, a climbing wall, a multi-use trail, and a mountain bike pump track and skills course. I mean, there is, this is really like a great outdoor feature. Of course, you know, the river's in the center of it, and it's great that you're going to have all these other things for people to come there and to do. As you have, you know, just post, um, you know, Mill City moving forward. Right. I, I yeah. will say it sounds like a lot of stuff that we're going to fit in 13 acres. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of wondered a couple of times about it. And then I started kind of really walking around outside of the areas that, you know, the, the several acres that we've already cleared. And you say 13 acres, and it's really kind of hard to put a picture on it. But when you start go romp, start and romp around in those woods, it's a really big space in there. Like right. there's, there's, there's going to be all kinds of, it's going to be all spread out. It's not going to be like one on top of the other, like, it's it's impressive how much stuff is there and it's and it's a utilization of of resources that are already there using the terrain for for that pump track using some of the the natural ravines and and some of even the old you know ruins you know making them safe and cleaning that out and Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff it's not just going to be a a slash and burn and you know build it from the ground up there's going to be a lot of utilization of of the existing resources, which is, which is really cool. Cause it'll definitely preserve that, you know, that historic aspect of that area. Yes. I was thinking like, this is a great way of incorporating elements of, you know, Franklin's past to create a, you know, sustainable use for the future. I think it's a very well planned out, um, you know, mission that you have. And, uh, as we, and you wanted to mention too about let's say whitewater rafting. A lot of people talk about Maine. Of course, a lot of people talk about out west in the country. But if you want to touch on whitewater rafting here in the great state of New Hampshire, love to hear some of your stories. About whitewater rafting, you know, or kayaking, a raft owner, I have a small yeah. So I mean, 
New Hampshire, as Andrew said at the beginning, a lot of our uh, rivers, particularly, I know you're up uh, in Lincoln or Woodstock, um, mm -hmm. and that's a, those, there are some incredible rivers there. The, the main stem of the Pemi coming out of Franconia Notch um, is a well-known and well-loved expert whitewater run uh, yes. where you start either above or below the basin, um, and then you portage around the North Pole Rapid. Generally, there are some people who've run it, and then uh, you make your way all the way you know, down through incredible bedrock features with a lot of steep gradients. Um, and then the east branch of the Pemi, as you know, flowing right there by Loon and whatnot, uh, it holds its water a little bit longer and it's more of a classic sort of uh, New Hampshire big water um, run. Uh, but like Andrew was saying, both of those ones, they have limited seasons. They really rely, when, when we're talking about paddling a lot in New Hampshire, a lot of it, there's a very narrow window of opportunity. Um, in the spring is your best bet because we get a little bit of help from the snow melt to sort of sustain the water levels. But in a lot of New Hampshire rivers, we get a big rain event and the water levels spike up high, as you've seen in, in you know, in Lincoln. I mean, you probably have watched uh, some of those high water flows over the years uh, in the aftermath of Irene and then oh, back yeah. again in 2017. I mean, the, the river can oh, come yeah. up real fast. And then a couple days later, you, unless the river bed has changed or there's been massive flood debris, you wouldn't necessarily know. If you came three days after a big flood, you're not necessarily going to know that that's happened. So the, the window is sort of very narrow for a lot of the whitewater paddling that we do, uh, which makes it tough for somebody with a nine to five sort of job and that stuff to be a whitewater paddler in New Hampshire. Sure. Uh, it really... It makes it easiest if you are somebody with a flexible schedule uh, who can get out after a rain event. You know, sometimes the snow melt will hold, help hold the river, hold the east branch of the Pemi at a runnable level. But a lot of the times, I mean, if you're not sort of ready to go, like right now, if we got a big sort of tropical storm that moved in, there's a good chance that the rivers of the Pemijuasset and Baker Valley would run for a day, maybe, if you're lucky, if you can get away for, to them. And then all of a sudden they drop out. Right. And so the goal with uh, the Winnipesaukee River, it's, it already is, even at its low flow of 260 CFS, you certainly wouldn't be taking a whitewater raft down it, but an experienced kayaker who is desperate to get out on the water <laughs> right. uh, on a hot day can still pick their way through the rocks um, and make their way down the Winnie. And so the goal is to sort of re-channelize that sort of last section, the last half a mile of river, um, is to re-channelize it so that instead of the water spreading itself out and creating six or seven different channels across the width of the riverbed as it flows in between rocks, is to get it to maybe channelize itself into just two or three channels uh, so that they're a little bit deeper um, and, uh, you know, makes it a little bit easier to navigate and makes it a little bit more dynamic for playing in the whitewater, which is really the whitewater aspect of Mill City Park is really about play boating. It's not necessarily, you know, I mean, there will still be people for sure who are going to run at point to point, drive up to Cross Mill Road, put in here, run down through the rapids, mm -hmm. take out at the takeout. But like Andrew was saying, a lot of what the whitewater aspect of the park is going to be people who come specifically to play in these particular features. Um, and the goal is to have them be runnable at all and, and have them be interesting and runnable at all water levels. 
Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, so there might be days where, you know, I might drive down there from Plymouth, put in, and I might never actually run the river. I might not set a shuttle. I might not ride my bike up to get a car. I might drive down there, unload my boat from the truck, walk over, put the boat in the water, play around and surf, work on some freestyle moves, drift back to the, to the takeout, load my kayak back in the truck and drive away. You know, never having actually set shuttle or sort of running the river in the classic sense. Right. Uh, and you know but, what you, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, it's going to say, uh, you, answered, you answered one of my questions. It was, um, sorry, I didn't get, actually ask the question yet. I was wondering, I'm like, how are you going to be sustaining this water? Like, uh, of course, this water is coming from Lake Winnipesaukee. And, of course, sure. there are drawdowns at certain times of the year, like in the fall. Everybody gets excited when the Winnipesaukee River, when they're going to be drawing down the lake, getting ready for winter. And as you just said, you're going to be taking where the water is wide, and you're, instead of having seven or eight channels, getting it down to two or three. That's sure. Because I was, like yes. I said, I was like, where'd you, um, or how's this park going to be sustained? Like, how many times is the water going to be released? But it's not. Right. So it is just your own engineering. Yep. Collectively, there, your there. engineering is going to be making the, channeling the water so it will just be lasting day after day. Correct. So it will lake, run. Go ahead. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I was going to say the, the Lake Port Dam is obligated to release that 250 CFS or, or greater. Um, so there's, there, you have to maintain the fish habitat. You have to maintain um, Winnesquam's lake level and, and Silver Lake to some extent their their level is maintained by that as well so you you know so you have you have the habitat sustaining and then there are also there's a couple of different dams right there at the takeout there's a couple of different um hydroelectric facilities there's one that's like a run of river and there's one that actually takes some water from from right at the takeout puts it under the city of franklin and and generates power there so there will always be flow which is which is nice so there will always be that that use um, Winnipesaukee is kind of unique in that they actually don't have an announced release drawdown date. They manage the lake level throughout the course of the summer through that release. It's not, it's, it's different than like, like the, um, Carol. like the Suncook or, or Northwood Lake or Mascoma Lake where they're like, all right, this is the date we're doing a drawdown. Once we hit our lake level, we're shutting it off. We're going to run all the water and then we're going to shut it off. Winnipesaukee, they're like, we're just going to kind of maintain this flow. So you'll, you might see a little bit of a bump up, um, but it's, it, you really don't get that big rush that you'll get on some of the other, the other rivers. But again, it's nice because there's consistent flow. These other rivers, when the lake is at its level, they just shut the dam off and it, it is what it is kind of thing. The, the right. nice thing with that, that 250 CFS is it's, it's, it's a higher flow than, than these other smaller bodies of water that might only see 20 or 30 CFS. So being able to, to channelize it and having that big of a volume of, of water, even though it's a small number, it's still, it's still plenty of water when, once you get it, once you get it kind of channelized and, and work with it, which is really neat. That's fascinating. I, I was not aware. So this is why it's great talking with you because yeah. I, I wasn't aware that there was that, constant flow and i was like figured that it was like right. you know obviously it's like obviously there's water moving but i didn't realize that there was just a uh, a flow that for the obligation of for the hydroelectric dams that were downstream very mm. interesting i like this and then taking that and then yeah. channeling the wide river into like two or three channels 
this mm-hmm. is really cool. So I'm like, I like how we're picking this apart and putting it together. So people like me can fully yeah. understand how this is going to work. <laughs> you have I, the I resource, gonna... you have right. a captive audience, you have mm-hmm. people willing to use it. It's like, all right, all these elements are there. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's get all these pieces together. Right. Right. And, the, and it, there must be, there must be a lot of paddlers. Um, whatever you know swift water enthusiasts that must be getting very excited have you have you had a lot of people reaching out to you saying like you know yeah when is the schedule when is this going to be open like this must be really sparking a lot of excitement in the uh, paddling community for sure um it definitely and it's been building we so we just we just hosted our third ever winnie river days this past weekend that's why we're still tired we're still recovering (laughs) from uh from last weekend um so yeah you know Franklin is fairly centrally located. As you mentioned, Maine, you know, Maine is thought of as sort of the classic New England whitewater rafting destination up in the forks. You've got the Kennebec and the Dead, and then a little further out into the woods towards Katahdin, you've got the Penobscot. And those are all very large whitewater rafting commercial, you know, uh, rivers. The other one in New England that's very common is the Deerfield River, which is over in Charlemont, Massachusetts, in the Berkshires, mm-hmm. um, just sort of just barely south of Vermont. Um, and that's one where uh, the river doesn't run, you know, round the clock or even every day, but there are scheduled releases generally every weekend or, you know, sometimes three or four days a week on two different stretches of whitewater over by the Deerfield. So those are like sort of the, the classic New England destinations. Um, like I was saying earlier, New Hampshire is a little trickier because our flow rates can fluctuate so wildly. It's a great place to be when everything's running, but it's kind of a feast or famine situation. It's like that powder day mentality where it's like, where do I go first? What do I do? Right. Um, you know, and you're like, you might, you know, Andrew and I might never get on. We might, there might be some stretch of river that we really like. But because it runs when everything else is running, we might go a couple seasons without even running, you know, because we're just, you're, you're somewhere else. You're doing something else. You're running the upper Pemi when the uh, upper Baker is running or you're, you know, on the Sawyer or the Swift or something like that when other things are running. And so you, your days are limited. The mm-hmm. flow is limited and you got to sort of pick and choose uh, what to hit, you know? Um, so yeah. You know, it, it can be tricky, but it, it, it definitely, there, there definitely are a lot in answer to your question. Uh, each of our three Winnie River Days festivals has grown, you know, gradually, I would say, not exponentially necessarily, but um, each time we've held the Winnie River Days Festival, it has been a little bit larger of an affair uh, than the previous time. And uh, because we are within a couple hours striking distance of the megalopolis, uh, you might say, you know, it's a, it's an easy, easy, mostly interstate commute for most mm-hmm. people. Um, and so, yeah, the, certainly the, uh, Boston, uh, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Southern New Hampshire paddling community, it's within easy striking mm-hmm. distance. Um, and then, you know, for other people who are whitewater paddlers from other areas of the country who are coming to New England, they might be looking to go up and run the rivers in Maine um, to sort of, you know, put that notch in their belt and whatnot. And this is a place to stop on the way up or on the way back or both. And so it can combine itself with people who are already sort of 
whitewater tourists. It's one more, uh, you know, sort of stop along the way for people to hit. And then obviously for people like Andrew and myself and John, maybe if we get you to take up the sport, you know, it's easy. Like it's for, for us, it's something where like I'm off work this afternoon. I can just blast down to Franklin for a couple hours, paddle, get my, you know, workout, my fresh air and enjoy it. And then, you know, head back home for, and be home for dinner. Um, so it doesn't have to be like a big overnight camping, you know, destination. It can be right. something where we're just coming in for boom, a quick strike and then heading home. You know, that, that yeah. is, is in the more, as you talked about that, like that is just perfect for people really into this. And I, I'm, I'm sure there are people that have wanted to get into swift water paddling, rafting, et cetera. But yeah, as you said, you missed the window. And like um, if any, anybody who has a whitewater rafting, sorry, whitewater book, any river guide book, and you know, it's before New Hampshire, it's like, you know, best times to run late April through May when the water is 34 yeah. degrees. It's like, sure. <laughs> and, so, sure. and you're right. And, and it starts to dry up the Baker River. I love paddling on the Baker River. Not the yeah. hard, hard stuff at the, uh, at the top, but it's, it's, you really have a couple of days unless you want to take your kayak for a walk, which is fine. But you know, right. really, that runs out. It runs out. And to have a place that isn't, it's um, to have a place, that you, as you said, you get off of work. It could be early in the morning. It's summertime. It could be eight o'clock in the evening and you could sure. go do that. And then, so where some people, sorry, I got a little off subject there, uh, where no, some people may get aggravated because they miss those windows constantly. Now they have an opportunity that they can get into it and it's something consistent, get their skills higher and maybe they will get the bug and decide I'm going to take that personal day. Right. I will say, um, one other, one other thing that, that, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are, that are interested, but another aspect that I think people miss out on is, is we've had, um, so we'll be the first whitewater park, in the northeast the the next closest i believe you have to travel down to like new jersey right so so we have a phenomenal phenomenal partnership with the city of franklin of the public private um partnership that that really hasn't been created in the northeast and while we have the paddlers that are really jazzed there are other communities now that are looking to us as kind of the the case example that that people maybe their local paddlers have said we want a whitewater park and the city's like yeah i don't know that that's really possible and now they can say look at these are the steps that they've gone through this is how they've worked with their th- with their towns um Skowhegan is trying to work on it um there was another town in maine that was trying to work on it um work on a park and now we can be that that case study that that shining example of when you have a, a stellar relationship with with your host city um these these things are possible and i i really have to give a lot of credit to you know to our our city planner and and you know the the director of the parks and rec and and you know all those people from from the city of franklin that have been instrumental in all of this. A lot of the permitting and a lot of like the funding, things like that needs to come from a government entity, needs to come from public government. It can't just be a, a local nonprofit searching out these, these federal grants. Like they, they really like to see that, that partnership. And what the park has allowed is it's, it's allowed us to show all these other municipalities in, in, you know, in the Northeast kind of, Hey, you know, we're a new England town. We don't, we have, 
similar kind of old mill town situations. We're trying to utilize this resource. It may not be power in the mill anymore, but let's let's generate that that tourism side of it. Let's get let's get that draw. And you know, you're really seeing it in in Franklin now with you know with that partnership and and how much downtown has has changed with the with the new restaurants and the brew pub and you know and, and all of that. And if you haven't been to downtown Franklin, there is some incredible food that you should come check out. I'm in. I'd love to I'll do second. that. Yeah. And and I, I also want to reiterate this the city of Franklin, it's it's incredible. And it, it, it having the city manager, uh the recently retired mayor, um, and the parks and rec director, Crystal, who's on our board. I mean, she's incredible and hardworking and it, it wouldn't mm. happen without a backup from the city. And Andrew's correct in the talking about a lot of the times, uh these whitewater parks they they're viral in their own way a, a nearby community is like hey did you see what uh this town's doing so like there are 30 of these parks out in colorado right, right. uh and and some of them like the original ones are you know um salida and uh places that are not ski town destinations necessarily um you know they came about because they they didn't have the classic sort of tourism industry that, you know, like a, a Vale or Breckenridge has. Well, mm -hmm. after Vale and Breckenridge saw how well Salida's Park did or uh, Golden Colorado on the Front Range did, well, guess what? Now Vale and Breckenridge, they have their own whitewater parks on their small streams that flow right through their ski towns. Um, and you know, those ones have a little bit narrower of a window out there in Colorado. It's similar to the white mountains. You're dealing with, you know, high flow rate during snowmelt. Like right now is like peak Colorado season, June. Um, and then, you know, by that time, late August goes around, they can't rely on quite as much rainfall as we do here in the Northeast. Um, and they don't have quite as many, they're not blessed with like as many lakes as we are, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the, the whitewater parks do tend to dry up a little bit out there, but you see it in Colorado, not just in the, the destination ski towns, but in places like Pueblo and Glenwood Springs and Golden and, you know, places that don't necessarily have tons of condos and ski areas and that stuff. Um, and then places, as strange as it sounds, there are three whitewater parks in Iowa and two of them are like within a half an hour of each other where, um, they had old, you know, in the mid-1900s, communities thought about beautifying their riverfront by creating a dam uh, to essentially pond up the water in their downtown to make it look pretty and whatnot. And then they realized that that was hindering fish travel and whatnot. And so starting 10 years ago, some of these communities decided that they were going to knock down their downtown dams that served no purpose. Um, and when they did it, they decided to put in a whitewater feature through their downtown. One of them's Charles City, Iowa. Um, I can't remember the other towns, but it, it, they're sort of small, obscure, off the beaten places that have become destinations. A lot of the time for whitewater paddlers from the east who are going out west to paddle, you stop in Iowa, uh, you know, and you, and you run the river or like you're from out west somewhere and you're coming to visit family back east, or you're coming to go explore the rivers of West Virginia or wherever, and you come and you, you know, you stop in Oklahoma City of all places, or Charles City, Iowa, 
you know, yeah, I, to, I never to paddle whitewater <laughs> on your cross-country road trips since you got the boats and all the gear on your car. Um, those, those communities have really, it's changed the sort of recreational dynamic. And obviously it's, the people in those towns, have, like the, the culture has been created. And that's what we're sort of going with as well here in Franklin is it's going to make it, as you said, like the window is short, like I was talking about, as you were saying, the water is frigid when a lot of, a lot of the time when the rivers in New Hampshire and Maine, Northern New England, when things are running, it takes a lot of gear. You know, we wear dry suits or dry tops, um, you know, or at the very least layers of wetsuit and polypropylene and a splash top. And then obviously you got to have confidence that you're going to roll back up when you flip over and stuff like that. And it's hard to motivate, you know, to learn that stuff in April. So, you know, because as you were saying about uh, whitewater paddling, it generally takes place in New Hampshire when things are very cold, um, when there's still snow on the ground and the water is frigid. And so it's, t it's a tough, there's a barrier of entry into the sport yes. um, that it isn't so much lift ticket based, it is gear based. I mean, you know, like over the course of 26 years, I've acquired thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear in order to participate in my free sport, you know? Right. Um, so with the, with a, with a summertime water level play spot, it is going to make um, a much more inclusive environment and a much easier sort of barrier of entry into the sport than what we currently have in New Hampshire, which is great. It encourages, I mean, not to gender stereotype, but a lot of the time, if you're out there paddling the upper Pemi, it's a bunch of dudes with pickup trucks and beards and like it's, everybody fits the same profile. Um, you know, and as we expand uh, Mill City Park, like I said, it, 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 it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a way to bring a lot more people into the fold. It's going to be a way for, you know, kids and spouses and, uh, you know, friends who maybe have an interest, but, you know, have sort of been hesitant because of the cost or because of the water or whatnot. It's going to be a way for people to introduce new people into the sport and it's really going to help grow uh the paddling community in new hampshire for sure mm -hmm. i mean I, I i think we'll see in the next five years who knows i mean it, we might double the amount of whitewater paddlers uh, in new hampshire and it'll be largely due to mill city park yes um, i i can absolutely see that happening and um you know where andrew had said look this is the you know it's the first of its kind in New England, and you had listed all those places that were in Colorado, and I never would have thought of um, Iowa to be right. a destination for, a, uh, for, for one of these types of you know, whitewater parks. And some of the places, Andrew, uh, I'll kind of curb this toward you, like, have they already started to reach out a little bit to say, you know, do you have any, though it's in its infancy right now, any data for, you know, we were thinking about doing this in our town or our city? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I'm pretty sure Skowhegan and Westbrook, Maine, right? Those, those have they reached out to us, Nick? I, I know they were they were they were exploring the ideas. Yes, uh, and, and I know Skowhegan and yeah. Skowhegan in particular um, has a, a, a plan that's you know they're a little bit behind us. They don't have any active uh, permits or anything yet, but there's been a plan uh, for Skowhegan. I think that the 
it's one of those ones where the original person who put everything in motion did what a lot of whitewater paddlers in New England does. They moved somewhere. They moved somewhere where it was easier to do. They like packed up yeah, and right. left. Um, and so it's somebody else has had to sort of pick up the ball and run with it. The other place um, where there was momentum for a little while is actually in Connecticut, Willimantic, Connecticut, which is somewhere down by Foxwoods and whatnot, which I believe is another, you know, mill town. Um, and that's the other place where like there was some momentum and some interest. And I just, I don't know what stage they're at. But yeah, I believe Skowhegan, Maine, um, which is not terribly far from the Forks and the other sort of destination rafting locations, um, is probably the community that is closest to bringing something like this besides Franklin. And um, as, you know, as the Mill City Park, you know, you know grows in popularity, you're right. It's going to start building its own type of community, or it's just like an added on. Of course, you have the Franklin community, but the um, the amount of paddlers that will be coming in, you'll have a whole kind of different demographic in that city. And you're gonna, I think you'll see that start to spread out. They'll say to Skowhegan, or any other town or city, let's say that hasn't even thought about making a park like this, and they'll see the success. And we um, touched on before we were recording. We touched on this a little bit here in the Northeast downhill mountain mountain biking. Lots of people like to go biking. Lots of people like to go gravel biking, you know, anything off-road. But downhill hasn't really been taking off, you know, unlike out west where it's been thriving for 30 years. Now uh, we have a few more ski areas that are offering downhill uh, mountain biking. And you've also built the trails correctly. We'll just start with Highland. And it was, isn't it funny? Look at the success that Highland had. And so now the community, the amount of bikers that, that each one of these areas is now drawing in. Absolutely, I see this happening with the um, with the with the Mill City Park, and then spreading yeah. from there. Obviously, we're Mill City Park in Franklin. We're very close to Highland, um, and uh, Mark Hayes has come to some of our meetings. Uh, you know, and and he's obviously he's a pretty big supporter of the project because he knows that the more and also you know not just not just. Highland, but Franklin also has Franklin Falls there as well, which is, uh, you know, it's not downhill mountain biking, uh, but it is a mountain biking destination of its own there. Um, so really you know, good cross country there. Right. Really yeah. Good. So, so by putting in a pump track and other stuff like that, it's sort of, you know, I mean, the Whitewater Park is sort of the centerpiece of Mill City Park, but all of the other pieces, um, you know, like, are, are going to be great places to introduce people to a variety of different activities. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we're not going to build a, a massive mountain bike park on our 13 acre parcel that we're trying to do so much else with as well, but I think you'll find it'll be a pretty interesting uh, little course there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, like I said, I think they'll, we'll probably be able to put in some climbing walls on the old, um, on some of the, the old mill ruins. Um, and then, you know, just historic interpretive trails for people to understand what they're looking at, what it used to be. Um, the amount of invasive, Andrew can say, the amount of trash and debris and invasive plants that we have removed <laughs> over the past uh you know few months is absolutely incredible um, we do a lot of cleanups on tuesday evenings so we if do you'd like a personal tour 
of Mill <laughs> yep. City Park. Bring a trash bag and we'll be happy to show you around. Yep. We're good help, shoes. Help us. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's fun. And then, you know, we get together kind of afterwards and revel in the amount of, right. you know, how far it's come along. So. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I liked, um, you know, reading some of the descriptions of the parks. It's really kind of perked my, you know, really piqued my interest is the, um, the climbing walls that uh, you're suggesting. Is that like some of the old mill wall building, um, mill walls themselves yeah. will be used for whether it's going to be bouldering or maybe some top roping. I'm not exactly sure what's going to be there, but that is a uh, pretty cool take. And rather than just having a wall sit there and, right. You will do nothing. Now it is right. going to be incorporated physically, like really going to be physically you know, incorporated in the uh, park. So one thing that we actually incorporated over this weekend, um, this was a very busy weekend. Like I said, there were, we had a lot of moving parts going on. So I didn't actually get to get up there and really take it in until I went back on Monday. But um, there are a couple large concrete pads, some of which still have old machinery uh, from the days of the mills um, within our park and there's some old concrete retaining walls and one of them we have turned into what's called like a living graffiti wall so it's essentially a graffiti park um, and we had a couple guys who you know I mean I think I don't know if they're professional graffiti artists but they certainly are very very talented graffiti artists who sort of uh, we there was some old graffiti on this wall uh, a painting company and then uh, at about 11 o'clock on Saturday we sort of opened it up to anybody and uh, local kids and and families were coming out and like tagging this uh, wall this spray paint wall um, it's pretty cool it's actually you know it's very very neat to see to go back I, I wasn't able to see it while it was being built because I was busy helping with rate kayak races and the beer garden and stuff like that but Going back, I mean, it, it's actually pretty impressive. Um, and some of the artwork is absolutely incredible. Um, so that's probably something that we'll wind up doing every year is we'll probably give it a clean slate as we get into Winnie River Days and then, uh, you know, have part of the uh, festival be creating new artwork, um, you know, every year. It's funny how festivals can do that. Like, you never would think, like, you know, with a... Oh, you know, we have a you know a pump track. We're gonna have some white water rafting, uh, some multi-use trail, and a graffiti wall. It's right. Like, never know yeah. what could pop up that could work. It's like, well, why, why, why push them out if there are right. some good artists in the area? Like you said, you're not sure if they're professional, but if they're good, right. then that's right. you know yeah. ugly graffiti. Nobody wants to see that. But you get to start with There's, the wall and show some good talent. Okay. Right. There's some of that. I mean, some of these, some of these were like five-year-old kids with a can of spray paint as well. So you can imagine it, it runs the gamut uh, from like professional artistry to, uh, you know, a sun and a flower and various other like, you know, things on the wall. It's interesting. It's really, it, that's been really neat. And actually there's a similar, um, at our uh, skate park in Plymouth, there are some old ruins there that was turned into a graffiti park, sort of same idea. Um, you know, every once in a while, something offensive gets written and uh, the, you know, town, the people come and sort of paint over it and it starts with a clean slate or something like that. Right. Um, yeah, that idea, I think, has been around. It's, 
it's giving hopefully you know it keeps people if you give people a safe space to do it it keeps people from tagging uh local buildings or or whatever places where they shouldn't be doing it uh right. it gives people an expression you know outlet for their expression and he's uh, really buying into a lot of the the stuff too so we've got that in the, the park but there's been a big effort to collect old broken kayaks and if you go drive through downtown Franklin, there are all these really cool old kayaks and whitewater canoes and things like that, that they've actually turned into local art. They're, you know, they're, they've used them as, as flower boxes. So you like go downtown and you, you know, they're, they're really embracing this, this spirit, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, a, our a local artist, a friend of ours, um, Colby, he, collected a whole bunch of these old kayaks and if you you might have seen a picture of kayak man right this big 20 foot tall you know giant basically stick figure looking thing made out of out of kayaks and you know different times of year he might be wearing like a pilgrim hat or like a santa costume or he had a sheet over him for you know to be a ghost for halloween and you know, in different different times of year, they'll they'll kind of change up. You know, hit what his what his getup is and and all of that. So so that's kind of cool too. He's downtown. He's right outside the park. So it is creating a whole different culture already. Big time. <laughs> have, it is kayak it man. Is. <laughs> that's yeah. actually pretty cool. I I'm, I'm actually I'm envisioning in my head. There's a few places where I live in Woodstock. You know, obviously the Pemigewasset River literally is just outside my house. And uh, I can picture where there are some half-buried kayaks that have been there for years. Irene cleaned out a few of them, you know, 11 years ago, but there's, there's still some out there. Right. We could collect them. I, I'll, I will happily bring them down to add on <laughs> to Kayak Man. I think there are over 60 kayaks, planters downtown. Didn't we, create, didn't we collect 50 this year, Andrew, I think? I, I'm not was, sure. The, that the was number, just this but... year. There were about a dozen of them, and some of them, uh, you know, some of the businesses did their own collections and put them out. The brewery has some mm -hmm. as a decoration, uh, but I think this year alone, we put out the call for people's old kayaks and canoes, and uh, I, I think we got over 50 just this year. Um, you know, we're lucky. One of our fellow board members, speaking of whitewater, uh, New Hampshire whitewater industry, one of our fellow board members, um, is Jeremy Lauchs from Blackfly Canoes. He's actually, he, he you know, designs and manufactures uh, whitewater canoes uh, from his home in New Hampton. Um, and his facility is actually eventually gonna be in Franklin. He's uh, got plans to develop, you know, a, a piece of property in the industrial park and actually, so currently he designs them and creates the plug, the mold that gets sent off and then uh, this roto-molded polyethylene gets formed around it and and then he brings all the canoe shells back and outfits them and sells them here in New Hampshire. But a lot of these are his old test designs and things like that. Um, you know, there's probably more whitewater canoes on the streets of Franklin than any town almost any. I mean, I can't imagine that there's too many places where there's 20 whitewater canoes uh, scattered around a downtown somewhere. Um, so it's very cool to see. Um, you know, there's other, obviously, New Hampshire has, I mean, there's Jeremy who, uh, you know, is probably making the most modern type of whitewater open canoe, but there are other New Hampshire whitewater um, 
manufacturers. We had a long time. I'm not sure they're still going, uh, but Mitchell Paddles was out of Canaan. Uh, they made very beautiful, uh, you know, wooden paddles. A couple generations of the family uh, made paddles there. Um, and then uh, Mill City, or Mill City, Millbrook Boats um, is a, a sort of a composite uh, canoe maker from down in southern New Hampshire um, who has been going for 30 plus years, um, John uh, Kaz. Uh, so there's, you know, there's lots of little pockets of whitewater related industry. As you know, you were talking about um, ELC and the big one up there is Northern Waters. It's Errol on the Androscoggin River. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's little pockets of whitewater industry in New Hampshire. Um, but we're sort of hoping that with our central location and, uh, you know, with a little bit of momentum, will become a big hub, you know, for the state and for the region, um, you know, for whitewater activity. I think that is absolutely attainable. Uh, if mm -hmm. the, the plan, the action, and just listening to you talk right now about how, like, you know, if, if you, not that I know a lot about Franklin, I, I don't, I, I know it's, it's, it's like a lot of New England towns where it was once, once upon a time, a big, you know, mill, you know, comfortable place to live a good place to live not that it's bad now sure. uh you know right. but you know where where industry was it's it was at was at its core and now you have a lot of innovative entrepreneurs that are moving in there uh yes you yep. mentioned about the brew pub there are some new restaurants that have moved in there and now they have this element of recreation and this is right. what really rises a lot of towns and cities that once the industry moved on recreation has come in and really help the population it changes it changes the demographics it changes everything sure the dynamic of you know like what city life was like 100 years ago 20 you know even 20 years ago if um you someone was going to tell me that you know downtown franklin is like uh you know you have like all sorts of like you know white water canoes and kayaks and whatnot <laughs> i hit my head like really right uh, like, but yeah to see this positive change moving forward sure uh, i love it i think that's great you know, the whole state, New Hampshire's demographic is changing as, as you know, like oh, yeah. with, with COVID and with the real estate boom everywhere. I mean, it, it's changing everywhere. Um, and Franklin being centrally located, it, it can essentially serve as like an overflow suburb for people with jobs in Concord or Manchester. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and as you know, I mean, people, it's not, the, the ski towns are the most obvious version where like, there are condos or there are ski homes or vacation homes or people move to these areas because of a particular recreational activity that they like. Um, you know, and ski towns are the most obvious of it, but I know people who move to Rumney or North Conway because they're rock climbers right. um, or they like to hike or stuff like that. And you'll see the same thing. You know, you're going to, there are people who have moved to greater Northfield or the Tilton area because they want to be near Highland Mountain Bike Park because that's their chosen form of recreation. Yep. And you'll see mm -hmm. the same thing. They're sort of buying into Franklin because they want to be here. You know, they, they, they are making a lifestyle choice um, and they, you know, it's a place they want to be. Absolutely. It's when we when we pick like skiing and riding, I think that's obviously the uh, one of the more obvious ones, but they're also the most noticeable and sure. where you have a lot of yes. I think I think a lot of paddlers are like rock climbers where they don't want to exactly broadcast their favorite spots, you know, like and so sure. 
people might know about it, but they might not know exactly when to go there or how to get there sometimes. But now, you know, in the age of the internet too, so people get to share lots of things. You know, like the the uh, the west side of Mount Washington. Once upon a time, skiing that is a lot of stashes that you had to know somebody who knew somebody who knows somebody how to get there, or can you actually do it? Now it's well, right, it's kind of wide open now, as we know. But the um, it's fascinating so to think about New Hampshire with all the different recreational opportunities and how it's spread out. And again, yep. the amount of people who have moved up here full time, like that's sure. not going to change. It's, we're going to still be changing a lot in the next few years. COVID-19 oh has just changed everything. When you mentioned right. the real estate market up here, well, it's pretty much everywhere, but any rural recreation destination town area like the Western White Mountains, there's yep. nothing available. There's nothing available right now. You could put your property up for sale, maybe 20, 30 grand more of what it's worth, but just do that because you're not trying to be greedy, but you will create a bidding war from people trying, they're waiting in line. And then right. people who have bought land, like near my house, they're not going to, construction is not going to start in their house for probably an, at least another year. Everybody's straight out. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It, you can't find anybody to do anything right now. I mean, it's and if you're a self-employed contractor in the Lakes region, you have unlimited amount of work if you want it. You yes. know, most a lot of people oh, yeah. don't even answer their phone right now because they right, they don't want oh, they don't no. want to have to tell somebody no, so they just ignore their phone oh, if they think it's right. uh, somebody who's looking for a, a, an estimate or something. Exactly, um, a friend of mine who's an electrician who's who was very popular before the pandemic. Um, he just goes nonstop, 6 a.m., 8 o'clock every night, five to yeah. six days a week. And you know, mind you, he's a workaholic. But when I, we, were, we were out and he mentioned something to one of his customers, and it was just too funny. How someone turned around and said, are you an electrician? <laughs> he answered, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's not going to say no. But the way he was like, yeah, here's my card. Well, this is what I need to look at. He's like, all right, I'll see you in about four days. Can you stop by tomorrow morning? He's like. No. <laughs> it wasn't it's trying to hard. be rude. He's like, there's no way I'm going to stop by tomorrow. <laughs> Once again, when we're talking about feast or famine, and it's the same thing for the tradespeople. A lot of those guys, they've lived through the lean times and the recessions. And so right. they don't know. Some of them don't know how to say no, you know, to a, to a job. Like they don't, they don't know how to politely say, I, I'm not going to be able to get to that for you. Mm -hmm. So here's somebody else you should call or something, you know, like a lot of guys, like they, they just can't help it. So they take on more than they should maybe, or they, uh, you know, they get behind. Um, but you know, it's not a bad problem to have from their perspective. I'm sure. No, yeah. no, no, no. You're just, you're just going, you're just going straight out for a long time, but no, it's not exactly a bad problem here. You're absolutely no. right on that. And we've covered a lot of subjects here. We this really is, have. We really we, have. We have. I like this. I like this. Now, actually, one final thing about the park. I would like to, because um, definitely like to have you guys on the uh, podcast again as the summer goes on, because I, I would like to hear how it's going. And I know all the listeners will. And uh, But the amphitheater, that's going to be, I don't know if it's in yet or not, but I did read that there's going to be an amphitheater. So, okay. So is this an artist rendition that I saw on the uh, website? Yep. Yes. And uh, so what kind of performances will be looked at for that? It looks like a nice, decent size theater. So there's actually sort of two that are going in. Um, there's one in Mill City Park proper, which is like a sort of a timber frame pavilion. Um, and uh, there's a guy uh, who is a uh, 
Timber Framer, um, who is a whitewater paddler. He runs a business called Mink Hill Timber Frames. And we have, we have constructed the sort of pad where the timber frame is going to be. And then he is a member. He's like a, a member of the Timber Framers Guild. Um, and this was something we were actually hoping was going to take place. Obviously, COVID has knocked everybody's time frame off, including Mill City Parks. Um, mm -hmm. So this is something we were hoping was going to be taking place last fall. Um, where he was going to be able to run a course uh, building the timber frame pavilion in Mill City Park where people would pay him uh, to come and be a part of the project. And so all that we would have to pay for is materials. Um, the Timber Framers Guild, I guess, is still being a little bit cautious with COVID and they don't want to run any programs even this year. So it that particular uh, one has been pushed all the way into next year, probably 2022. Um, but if you look at the park, so Andrew had mentioned the, the first whitewater feature that's being built is actually in Trestleview Park, which is the, the big wheel that's in downtown. It's a small triangular shaped park. It's where we take out at the end of our whitewater river run. Um, and where it's currently a big retaining wall with like a wrought iron fence and you're way up above the river, that retaining wall is actually going to be knocked down and it's going to be sort of a terraced amphitheater with sloped uh, seating and granite seats. Um, and so, uh, um, so that will be, um, there will be able to be performances there. And then also that will also be, um, you know, spectator seating for when we host whitewater freestyle events. It will be overlooking this first whitewater feature that's being created, which will be a, a whitewater, a hydraulic for people to do cartwheels and loops and all sorts of freestyle maneuvers. So there'll actually be two different sort of small performance venues uh, within, within the project. Hopefully one of them will be done by the fall. Cool. This sounds yep. just so cool. And it's I, a lot of parts. I had, I had, I remember I had read, read about the, uh, the timber framing. I'm like, that's right. That's right. Now that's even incorporated yep. with, with the uh, theaters. I think that is fantastic. Yeah. There's a lot going on in your park. This is obviously yep. more than just water sports. This is great. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. Well, Nick, Andrew, thank you very much for taking us uh, some some time to talk with uh, with talk with everybody, and I will definitely let's do this again uh, later in the. Yeah. I, I want to hear. Yeah. Nobody else wants to hear about how the uh, Mill City Park at Franklin Falls is moving along. Let's do it in the fall yeah. when we have uh, when we have some whitewater features in the river that we can report back to you on. Perfect, you're on. We have that, and actually, just to, just to tell the listeners, you know, for more information, uh, like. Yeah. Uh, where they can find you on the web as well as social media. Sure. So, um, you know, Mill City Park at franklinfalls.com or uh, on our Facebook page, which is Mill City Park uh, at Franklin Falls. And then um, we host events. Obviously, we just had our Winnie River Days, uh, but it generally in the fall, we host an event called Get Out and Play. Um, and then in the winter, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Franklin has a small community ski area similar to the Kank ski area up there in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's 250 vertical feet with a, you know, a T-bar. Um, and we host a, um, a thing called the Boat Bash Snow Crash, where uh, you take a kayak down through a sort of banked slalom sort of course. 
Um, and uh, we generally have maybe some live music, a little beer garden, um, and it's a fun sort of family-friendly uh, activity um, as well. So there's lots of ways. We're always looking for people to be involved. We're always looking to recruit volunteers. Um, we're always looking for vendors for Winnie River Days um, and for, for any of our events and sponsors and whatnot. So there's lots of ways to get involved um, and to, to check out, you know, further Mill City Park. Awesome. I will, I will, I'm going to check everybody who is listening right now. Please go check that out. And I'm going to check it out more and uh, especially checking out the, um, the going down uh, with the kayak at the ski area. I'd love to do that. That sounds, I've always seen videos of that. It looks like a it's hilarious. It's so much fun. <laughs> oh yeah. There is so much skill and no skill of how you're going to get down. I think it's be great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, Andrew, Nick, thank you very much. And we'll yep. be, uh, we will talk soon. Great. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. We hope you have enjoyed listening to Nick and Andrew. They will join us again in the fall to let us know how the summer went and how progress is going. Join us next week when our frequent guest, regionally famous rock climber John Sykes, will join us to share more rock climbing stories in Franconia Notch. Until then, be safe, have fun, and see you soon. Hey.